My name is Ted Lorenz. I work at the Kortha Sexual Assault Center, so KSAC, and I am the Mending Program Coordinator. So that's uh, engaging men and ending gender violence. Um, so Ted, I wanted you to come in today to tell us a bit about the SNOOP program, Young Men Leading Change. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit of the background behind it? What is, uh, what is the program seeking to do? Right. Um, so the program, um, it's out of Ottawa. It's a grant that we're running here in Peterborough. And the program seeks to engage newcomer men in ending gender-based violence in their communities and build sort of teachable skills in um, bystander interve- intervention, um, sort of group facilitation, that style of thing. And um, the, you're the Mending Program Coordinator. Can you talk a bit about what, you, what the Mending Program is and, and how you go about uh, the work you do? Absolutely, yeah. So the Mending Program, um, it's been running at KSAC for longer than I've been around, but I've been around for about two years, and I've been um, sort of working on that in particular. Um, it's about engaging men and ending gender-based violence, and a lot of the work we do is with sports teams, um, groups of men, um, and it kind of comes from the perspective of a non-shaming sort of attitude, but very much centered in gender-based violence prevention, right? And what are the kind of things that you talk about and teach there? Um, so it's very much activity-based. So we start off with some talking about the prevalence of gender-based violence and sexual violence and the role that men can do in preventing that. And then we have a couple of activities that are really supposed to be very illustrative. And so one of them is called the man box and we ask participants to sort of fill in this box with things that men are stereotypically expected to be and then we ask them questions about sort of what happens to men who are outside of the box and we get lots of sort of sexist and homophobic insults right and then we ask men why are they these things right if they're getting all these sorts of insults um, and then we have another activity that goes next to that um, called the strongest man and basically we ask participants to Describe the things about the strongest men in their life, right? Um, And we don't really mean strong as in, like, burly and can throw rocks, but I mean strong as in sort of what are the admirable characteristics that they have. And very often the things that we admire about the men in our life are not the things we're told to be as men. Hmm. So it's a lot of, like, introspection about gender. Um, How does that tie to preventing gender-based violence? Um, That's a great question. The idea is that um, we think that men who have sort of um, healthy emotional outlets um, who are less likely to be isolated or experience uh, substance abuse, um, who have sort of an emotional intelligence in themselves, are men who are less likely to be violent. Hmm. So kind of challenging toxic masculinity and how it portrays itself? Okay. Um, How does... Um, I guess for folks who uh, maybe don't know what toxic masculinity is, could you talk a bit about how you perceive it and why you challenge it? Right. So masculinity is very much the things that we do to express that we're men, right? And so some of those things are really um, not harmful, right? So if you... if going fishing and fixing up your house and putting on the new roof are things that make you feel masculine and those are masculine things for you, sort of that handiness and that sort of outdoorsiness. Those aren't things that we would consider toxic masculinity. But some things, some aspects of toxic masculinity are maybe this need to feel control over the other people in your life, you know, sort of like, I'm the man of the house and I get to make decisions for the people who live here, you know. Those might be traditionally masculine expectations, but they're not really helping the people in your life, right? Those things are sort of toxic, and there's lots of ways that, lots of other ways that toxic masculinity can manifest itself. Mm -hmm. So it's these ways of expressing a gender that's not only 
that's that's kind of harmful to mm-hmm. both the man and people around them. Absolutely. Um, can you just bridge the gap between challenging toxic masculinity and how that would prevent gender-based violence? Absolutely, yeah. So it's sort of this notion that um, toxic masculinity is very much rooted in expressing power over other people, right? And that power is not really rooted in those people's choices, right? And we would consider that sort of gender-based violence and sexual violence is very much rooted in somebody having their power taken away from them or having sort of power imposed over them in a, in a harmful way. And so when we're sort of talking about healthy masculinity, it really asks men to consider what the other people in their life need and how we can sort of not not do those things to other people, right? How we can not sort of express our masculinity in a harmful way that takes the power away from the other people in our lives, right? Hmm. And in this program, do you use, do you talk about this in terms of toxic masculinity? Because I've had conversations with men who found the phrase really um, jarring and and like almost in a preventing conversation kind of way is, is how do you go about having these kinds of conversations Mm -hmm. with the men in your group? Um, Interestingly enough, it depends on the group, but I've very rarely used the word, toxic masculinity, toxic or masculinity. Um, We very much talk about, the word we use is sort of what's expected of men, you know, Mm. and how are those expectations harmful. Um, We talk a lot about how those expectations aren't innate, right? We're not saying men aren't born more likely to be expelled from school or men aren't born to go fishing, right? Those aren't things that are innate to men. Those are things that men learn. Hmm. And so these are things that men learn, and are you trying to go through a process of, like, unlearning these kinds of things, or? Um, I think the goal is, well, there's only so much you can do in an hour, of course, but I think a lot of the work is sort of to consider the impact of the way we express our gender, right? The way we express that we're masculine. Um, And we come at that from a few different lenses. What are some of those lenses? Um through, I think most men really resonate with this this man box activity, right? And these mm. things that men are expected to be. And they all see some of themselves in that. And they all also see things that, um, like they've all heard those insults look around the outside, right? And that's all, that's resonates with a lot of people, right? And then we talk about the things that we respect with the other men in our life. And I think that's a really introspective opportunity. And that really... Um, for a lot of men is sort of a a point of change, right? That's a bit of an aha moment, hopefully. Um, And sort of, it's considering those things as you move through the world. We also talk about this notion of the continuum of harm, and it's this notion that sort of like sexist and homophobic language, a lot of these words that we use to keep men in the man man box, um, Mm. are part of a larger sort of continuum of harmful actions, right? Those things relate to um, sort of, I guess... Um, rigid gender norms and like harassment and more like severe forms of sexual violence, right? So all men have an opportunity to engage with the continuum of harm and all men sort of, I would say, probably play a role in the continuum of harm as well, right? And so it's really considering how our words affect the other people in our lives and how they really contribute to putting other men inside the man box or hurting the other people in our lives. Hmm. So this is a, the Mending program is something that works with different groups of men, like teams you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that group dynamic uh, I- impacts the course and how it uh, plays out? It's it's always different depending on who we're talking to. We've had high school classes, we've had university classes, we've had sports teams, we've had older sports teams, we've had younger sports teams. So it, we always get a very different response. Um, 
It's interesting, the younger the group, the, the nicer the things that we find people say fit inside the man box. You know, usually mm. when I do this with a group of uh, sort of older men, we'll get a lot of like really, really vividly sort of like harmful things that men are expected to be. But when we do it with younger people, I think they often have a different sort of expectation of what men are supposed to be. And some people would speculate that that is potentially sort of a sign of changing times. But I also think that's just a, a perspective of age. And um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm not necessarily convinced. Okay. <laughs> um, and so most of the programs I gather from what you're saying um, are just kind of, you pop in, do a one-hour session and pop out. Right. Um, the Young Men Leading Change program, can you tell me a bit about how that's going to unfold and how that maybe differs? Right, yeah. So the, it's... Um, it's a it's a layered project in a sense. So there are multiple roles. So there's a, somebody coordinating the entire project, and then they have sort of adult allies. And those allies across the different organizations are either coming from newcomer organizations or coming from violence prevention organizations. And those adult allies work with youth facilitators. And these youth facilitators are newcomer men who wish to um, facilitate these conversations in communities that they're familiar with, and they really want to make change, right? And so there's a training aspect where we really sort of um, meet them, meet these youth facilitators where they're at and engage them with their needs on how to really thrive as a facilitator. And then we run a 8 to 12 week group um, where those facilitators are sort of um, leading for their youth champions. So those are our participants, right? Okay. Um, and uh, the program is geared towards racialized and newcomer men. Can you tell me a bit about why you wanted to... Uh, why the program is geared towards that demographic? Um, yeah, so I could... Um, so the the program coordinator out of Ottawa um, saw this sort of gap in the opportunities they were providing from their centre and the centres, the sexual assault centres across Ontario, and they thought this was a need and that this was something that could really promote a lot of engagement, right? Okay. Um, do you think there's... Um, so there's this gap. So I guess there's not a lot going on right now to, uh, other than this program, to teach newcomer men um, about preventing gender-based violence. Um, I, so I, I come from a, a sexual assault center, and the work that I do is sexual violence prevention. But I know that a lot of um, newcomer serving agencies have a lot of, um, often have advocacy and work in that realm. Okay. Um, that's that's it. That's that's my thought. Okay. Okay. Um, has this program run before? Um, so this is the inauguration of this program. This is the first time that we're running it. Um, I think the grant's been. Um, it sort of started back in May or April to really um, to really get things going, and we we had a meeting across the four locations that were running this, and some locations are running multiple groups per year. Uh, in Peterborough, we're running one group, but some groups are even partway down or almost all the way down. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Really? Um, are there more programs coming up that um, if folks are listening uh, and are interested in joining? Absolutely, yes. So for Young Men Leading Change in particular, we're running that once a year for three years. Um, there's still lots of opportunity to get involved this year if you'd like to reach out. Um, and then we have sort of the mending program as well. We, we're, we've got lots of work. We'd like to get engaged in as many communities as possible. Um, and we also run a... Um, maybe once or twice a year, sort of a mending facilitator training. So that's a, a volunteer training for Kortha Sexual Assault Center, specifically in engaging men and ending gender violence. Okay. Um, I also, this is maybe a bit of a tangent, but um, could you talk a bit about gender-based violence and 
Does that specifically relate to violence against women? Or if we have conversations about, um, you know, in the news, we're talking about hazing a lot, um, mm-hmm. men taking uh, taking out violence uh, on each other mm-hmm. kind of thing. Is that part of the conversation in, in these groups as well? Um, yeah, absolutely. When in some workshops that we do, we, we do have more time than an hour, you know, and we often talk about current events. Um, there, there is a difference between sort of gender-based violence and violence against women. I know some agencies are sort of violence against women agencies, but Cortho Sexual Assault Center is a gender-based violence prevention agency, and that sort of recognizes that um, this violence, this sort of uh, men's violence um, towards sort of gender or sexuality isn't exclusively towards women as well, right? So we know that um, trans individuals and LGBTQ individuals experience disproportionate rates of violence, and we would say that's gender-based violence, right, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to violence against women. Well, okay. violence against women does fall within the umbrella of gender-based violence. Okay. But um, men being violent to each other wouldn't fall under that umbrella. Um, I would argue that it does, in a sense. Um, okay. is It's sort of an interesting thing to interpret. So, inter- interpret. so as long as... Um, the violence is taking place is based in some sort of gen- gendered uh, expectation or uh, expectation in sexuality. I would say that that's still gender-based violence. There's certainly a lot of nuance there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of conversation coming out of the news out of St. Mike's um, mm-hmm. that a lot of it does have to do with like a performance of masculinity as well. Absolutely. And, and men taking out, and men being violent to each other because uh, someone's not performing to, to the expectations. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting kind of conversation. Um, how do you, uh, so, uh, from what I've gathered so far, it's a lot of introspection about how men perceive their own gender. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of lead the conversation towards, um, like tolerance of people expressing their gender in other ways, like trans and gender nonconforming people? Um, so that very much depends on the group that we've been asked to speak to and what sort of needs that, like, we've been told about that group or that group has expressed to us. Um, a lot of the times in a 50 to one hour workshop, we don't really, we don't really get into that point, uh, ex- extensively, but a lot of the work that I would, if I were to take in that direction, I'd really focus on this idea of the man box, right? And this man box exists for people who, uh exists for women as well. There is a, a, a woman box you could create and there's a sort of a, a, a non-binary box, I guess, sort of what are the expectations society has for somebody who exists in a certain gender, right? And how does existing in just those expectations, how is that harmful, right? Um, so there's lots of ways where we can say, we know this is something that you experience, but this is something that other people experience as well. And then we really take it back to this notion of the continuum of harm as well and that we all have sort of an ability to engage with that and prevent that sort of, uh, that violence. Hmm. Have you had any feedback from participants in the program? Um, yes, yes, we've had, we've had lots of feedback. Um, generally <laughs> people are very, very interested and very engaged and they want to, um, they want to know more. And I sometimes get follow-up emails just asking some questions about one thing or another or very often we're invited back to come speak again to another group so it's generally very positive okay um is there a sense yeah i guess is there a sense that the participants have expanded their their conception of gender that's that's a hard thing to measure but i (laughs) i believe that very often that's true right there are some participants where um they 
are feeling defensive as they come into the room. And we would say that if you're sort of in a defensive space, you're not necessarily in a learning space. So there's some people who certainly don't get as much out of the workshop as I would love. Um, but I think a lot of the times people are very, very considerate of this new information, right? Um, and we come from it from a very non-sort of shaming perspective. It's more sort of things to consider within yourself and not sort of things that I'm saying are wrong about you, right? Like that's not, that's not really a learning space if I'm coming in there and telling people why they're wrong and why they need to change. It's sort of we want to be the best for ourselves and here's how we can do this. Okay. And I, just before we finish up, I was wondering if you could walk us through the man box exercise, uh, just like Certainly. if folks could grab a pen and a piece of paper or something and yeah, I'll do along. my best. Okay. Um, so it, you would take a, a sheet of paper and in the center you would draw a square or a box and I usually label it man box. And then I would ask people, what is stereotypically expect, expected of a man? What is a man expected to be, right? And I've got a great handful of leading questions for that. But a lot of the responses that we get are strong and athletic and provider and protector and handy and a leader and stoic and um, fights people and is sort of strong. Like those are the stereotypical things that we expect men to be. What are some of the prompts you would ask? Um, some groups sort of, uh, they get the point and they just start listing off things and I'm writing them down. But a lot of times I ask sort of, um, I give maybe scenario based questions. So I would go, if a, if a, if a stereotypical man, maybe he's out at the, out at the club and he's with his girlfriend and some other guy starts hitting on his girlfriend, how is he supposed to respond? You know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a leading question that'll get you a, a sort of a few points to start from, you know? Or if a, if a man's had something really, really hard happen to him, maybe he's lost a family member, you know, and he's, he's, he's around other people. How is he really supposed to express his, his grieving, you know, and not crying is sort of what we get from that, right? Sort of that stoicism. Um, and then around the outside of the box, we'd really encourage people to use natural and real-world language. So a lot of the words I wouldn't say on the radio, but um, <laughs> they're sort of harmful things that men would hear if they don't fit inside the box, right? So I would ask, some of the questions I ask are, um, what would happen, um, have you ever heard the phrase, uh, you throw like a girl, right? And then I would put, the, if, people, if people agree, I would put the word girl out there. And I would ask questions like, um, if a man were to go out drinking and he only has one drink and now he's super loopy, what kind of what kind of insults would men might use to say to that guy, you know? Um, or if a guy's just like he's in a fight and he just refuses to fight back, like what kind of things would we put on there? What are some maybe this guy just doesn't have a job, not interested in doing anything, he just wants to like stay at home and work on a stained glass, you know. What are some hmm. insults we might use for that guy? Hmm. Um and so it really sort of builds this picture of sort of what men are expected to be and what sort of responses we get from other men and society at large um, for men who don't really fit inside that box and maybe why we see so many men who are fitting inside this sort of rigid, rigid sort of expectation of what a man should be, right? And then we have this strongest man exercise that goes next to it and it turns out so many of the things we're expected to be and so many things we're sort of forced to be inside this man box are not the things that the other people in their lives want them to be. Hmm. Hmm. And it's a little bit about challenging that, that idea, that box, that constraining box. Absolutely. And being this ideal thing that maybe other people want. 
Mm-hmm. Like um, and helping the other men in your life not sort of get mm. pressured into that box, right? Mm. And sort of intervening in that continuum of harm when other men are pushing the men in your life back into that man box, that's an opportunity to intervene and that's a, an opportunity to be a, a bystander intervener, as we would call it. Hmm. Neat. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything else you want to add? Anything else you wish I'd asked about or anything like that? Oh, well, I have lots to say, but... I'm not sure. Thank you so much for having me. No, no. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here.